Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the procurement route. And basically, procurement route is relationships which are formed between clients, consultants, and a construction company in order to enable a building project to be realised. These relationships are basically formalised by entering into legally binding contracts, which we will discuss and touch on in later podcasts. These building contracts are usually between two parties, but are occasionally multilateral, so with many parties. And they are legally binding contract, which is usually formed when an unconditional offer is unconditionally accepted. Architects are mainly concerned with two types of of contracts, those under which professional services, um, so your appointment, and those under which construction work is carried out, so, you know, a building contract. Although they're different in purpose, the two are are usually complementary and, and, and are connected in some way. So with regards to building contracts, contractors may have partial or total design responsibility and may undertake management and coordination roles. And these would be all set out in the building contract itself of choice. So standard building contract forms are the most common are JCT forms, which are are widely used and have um, the benefit and uniqueness of that they are produced by a tribunal, um, which has got representations of the professions, the industry and and client bodies. So as you can imagine, these documents are, are generally considered to be fair and balanced in the interest of all parties. The JCT, there's a whole range of documents that are now available which cover a range of project types from maintenance and repair, construction work, management, contracting, etc. And and even, you know, and for various project cost sizes too. So professionally, it's recommended that all parties should use standard forms without amendment. Now, Bespoke amendments can easily sort of change the balance of the forms and the precise meaning of, of those conditions set out in the contract, which can end up, um, you know, disbalancing thing or, or even creating endless arguments between lawyers when issues arise. That's it's not to say that it can't happen or shouldn't happen. You know, there may be instances where um, it's just that no standard form of contract actually fits the client or project specifics um, or the re- their requirements and and so the only way to deal with this is is to create a more bespoke agreement um, when these are created there should be uh, read by an appropriate specialist with with a relevant you know contractual knowledge so that you know you can get advised of of whether your you know if it's an appointment document your insurances uh, cover everything or whether it's in favour too unfavourable to to one side or the other you know is there a, above and beyond the required um, liability to you or the contractor. So when recommending building contracts to the client, if not already decided before your appointment. You, you need to be aware that the range of available forms are 
are always really increasing and amendments are, are quite constant as well to keep up to date with things. Remember that contracts for a professional, so your appointments and, and the building contracts, although separate, may actually have an implication for each other. So when you're recommending a, a method of procurement, it may have repercussions on roles and documentation. So whenever possible, like I've said, always try and use a standard form of contract. So it's it's in your best interest to be aware of types of contracts and the differences between them, not necessarily clause by clause and word by word, but to understand what is included, what's not included and, and why, so that you're in a unique position to be able to advise a client accordingly. So in, in order to choose a suitable building contract, you need to consider sort of the three basic elements, which are cost, time and quality. Usually, two of the three will have more sort of priority over the third, and as such, this can this can help you to sort of narrow down the type of procurement route um, and contract that is most suitable for the project. So I've covered um, this in in previous podcasts. Um, as a recap, if you if you take a triangle and the the two um, the two points at the base are the two elements that are the most important in a project would mean that the top point is the one that's sort of, in very simplistic terms, sacrificed and, and for the project. So if you're deciding um, that cost is, is one of the most important of the three, then examples of things you, you should ask yourself is, is there a set limit that cannot be exceeded? You know, is knowing the cost of the work precisely before any construction begins, um, really important. If you know, if you're clearly saying yes to both of those, then cost is a, an important factor. If quality is is important, then you're sort of leaning towards you know asking: Is it important to use very high quality materials? Is is this a a listed or historic building where extensions or um, alterations are needed that? require um, high levels of, of skill or craftsmanship you know um, perhaps also is the design specification under uh, or needs to be under full control of the design team if you're answering you know yes to all of those then then quality is an important factor for for this project um, if then say uh, the importance of time uh, if if is there time for a full brief to be developed or you know are there external commitments or pressures that require the you know a, compl- a specific completion date to be achieved um or or is there phased or sectional completion sh- necessary for this project in which case you know that sort of lending itself to time is a is a, a very critical element of this project so um in terms of the procurement um, types the the sort of three main methods currently um, used in the UK or, or the most commonly used and they are um, the traditional design and build and management forms of procurement sometimes when you're depending on the scale of the project sometimes the procurement method you know has already been decided before you've you've even been appointed so taking this into um, account, when when you're answering an exam question, say, um, you need to try and work out within 
the, the first paragraph or paragraphs of key elements out of that to see which procurement route is kind of either clearly stated or, or hinted within it, you know. So taking those three elements, you know, are they talking about anything specific that shouts, you know. So we mentioned about time and quality. So is that because there's a listed building and and the level of quality and but the time is it has to be um phased because of funding you know so that may lead you to a particular type of, of procurement so um simply put um a procurement using traditional approach um the client appoints consultants for the design cost control and contractual administration of the project the contractor is generally appointed for carrying out the works and is responsible for those works responsibility extends to the you know the workmanship and materials and finishes and generally any subcontractors and suppliers that the contractor uses so as as you can imagine this approach uh, requires the production of a full set of documents before um tenders are invited so this needs adequate time to be allowed early on also the the design is by the appointed consultants so there will be very little design work for the contractor to do um, so as you can imagine with all of those in place that the, the client's team have basically full control over the design and quality that is required by the by the client so as a consequence the traditional approach has more sort of um, a certainty of cost so that a lump sum is known more accurately before works begins because the level of detail of the tender is 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 much higher. Um, obviously, that means you need quite a lot of front end time to achieve this. And and of course, the the information provided at the tender has to be really thorough so that a contractor can easily build from it from this information um, as intended. And that there, if if they can't, then this can obviously lead to claims of delays for information to clarify items. So if we refer back to you know the th three elements and and two being a priority for traditional, sort of what jumps out is cost and quality. So this would be, um, as you can tell, at the expense of potentially time. So with um, traditional procurement, there are sort of three main types of contract available. There's um, lump sum contracts where, um, as it suggests, the contract sum is determined before construction starts and the amount is entered into the agreement at the beginning. There's measured contracts where the contract sum is accurately known only on completion, um, so is after remeasurement to some agreed basis. And then there's um, cost reimbursement contracts where the contract sum is arrived on the basis of the actual cost of labour, plant and materials, um, etc. To which is added a fee to cover the overheads and profits. The next procurement type in simple terms um, using a design and build um, allows for a much quicker site presence. To achieve this, um, you have to understand that a lot of the design responsibilities will then fall on the contractor. So, you know, this is an example of, of time, the time element being uh, critical in this in this procurement. Um, the idea is that this is a single point of responsibility uh, because the client will lack 
control over detail aspects of the design later on. Any specific design requirements that need to be maintained will need to be clearly and thoroughly detailed early on in, in the specified within the tender documents. So the advantage is, is actually you're going to be on site so quickly for the contractor that they have predominantly all the design responsibility to begin and have information sort of flow in parallel with that. Any delays in their own design which may halt up the construction is at their risk. Any delays or additional costs will fall on them. Um, delays, you know, can incur liquidated damages depending on what's, what's in the contract. Additional costs, uh, unless it's caused by the client changes, are the expense, at, at, as I say, of the contractor. And DMB is basically a lump sum, which is um, agreed at the beginning. And and so in, in, in simple terms, this procurement route is a cost and time condition procurement route. So of the three elements, you know, as we've just highlighted, it means quality is sort of the sacrificed in, in air quotes. And just to add to this, um, quite often uh, the client requires that the contractor appoints the original early stage client consultants in order to develop the design further. So this will be under a sort of consultant switch tender agreement or, or it's more commonly known as Novation. If this is not the case, you, you know, you can always ask who the contractor intends to use for design information and, and of course, um, adequate professional in indemnity insurance is, is a requirement. Because you've, you've, the tender information will be limited in its detail um, or complex information related to the design, the initial tender documentation should have, to cover this, should have a, a high degree of performance criteria. So you're, compared to the traditional route, you're kind of compressing the early stages in order to get on site quickly to achieve perhaps a, an urgent deadline or phased completion or, or whatever it would be. So cost and time are the key ones in this, like I've mentioned before. So the the, the third um, most common procurement type is a management contract. And... In this one, the, the, the client usually appoints a consultant to prepare project drawings and project specification. They select a contractor on services, prime costs and management fees. And that's because um, that contractor, their role is literally to manage the execution of the work. And as such, is, is, is not directly involved in, in any of the construction work. This is done in, in smaller packages undertaken by um, works contractors who are appointed by this management contractor. This arrangement is, is sometimes kind of referred to as design, manage, construct. There is no, I don't think there is a reason why in a small works um, project that this, this could be architectural led instead of a, a, a main contractor. Um, having the role of, of management con contractor. The other form of uh, management contract is, is something called construction management. And this is uh, where a lead designer is appointed and is basically responsible for the overall design um, of the project. A construction manager is appointed for the management and coordination of the work with the client basically then 
in comparison to the other one, directly entering into contracts with all other trades. So these types of management procurement are best suited to more large, complex, fast-moving projects where early completion is desirable. And these sort of um, the the advantages of these would tend to lean towards time and quality, but cost would be a little bit more uncertain, so sacrificed as it were. So that's it really in simple terms for sort of covering the three main procurement methods. There are, there are others, but those are, the th like I've said, are, are the most commonly used in the UK. And I think we'll stop there. Hopefully, hopefully it's, it's made things a little bit um, clearer and you now have a, um, a little bit more of an understanding to, to then pursue and expand those topics further. Hope you've um, enjoyed the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening and um, see you next time. Mm -hmm.